it's always just to do my chores, my laundry, and house cleaning, and go exercise with the dog, and spend time with my husband. Nothing major. I'm gonna go to the beach with my friends, and then afterwards on Sunday I'm gonna go to church. I'm gonna catch a lot of sun. Beach? Beach. Beach. Probably just gonna take my family to Waikoloa for the day. Um, take my kids swimming and stuff, enjoy. Well, Friday I'll come to the church to put bulletins. Saturday I'll probably be with my friends and Sunday back to church. Okay. Oh, just probably hang around the house gardening, playing with the dogs. Everybody's grown. <laughs> Get ready to go to San Diego. I'm going to California to see my one son who just graduated from college. Then I'm going over to Florida to visit my dad, help him out because he's getting pretty old. And then I'm going back through Arizona to drop the younger son off for college. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go to Nevada with my family to go just hang out. Well, my son is going to summer school, but we're thinking about maybe if I want to take the kids more out um, adventuring and stuff, but no traveling this summer. We're going to wait till they get a little bit older. We want to take them to Disneyland probably next summer. Uh, no, actually, we're going to spend our summer with our kids this, this summer. Yeah. Didn't put them in any programs, but uh, we just plan to have a good time with the kids this summer. Just enjoy the summer together. Did you have to plan for that? Uh, no, actually, just came about. We just go about it day by day. <laughs> Oh, I'm still trying to plan, so it's been like six, probably about three or four months. Because the husband wants to keep changing. He's, no, 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 you should get in the car, take the son to Arizona, then take the car to Florida, and then stay there, send the son back. And I'm like, oh, you're just messing me up. <laughs> I'm, I'm like in my, I'm like in my plan better. <laughs> Maybe some shrimp or something. something. Uh, probably leftover pork chops. Steak and corn on the cob from the garden. Dinner tonight, we'll probably go to McDonald's. They love McDonald's. We're gonna have some fried fish because I just went diving the other day. So, get some fried fish and some steam uhu. <laughs> we like hopefully fish. What kind of fish? Um, well, my favorite is uhu, but I would be okay with. Oh my goodness, I forget what the name is. Um, the one that swims, right? <laughs> we plan for so many things, don't we? We plan for dinner, we plan what we're going to do for the summer. There's a lot of planners here. Now you might be a planner, like you plan your day ahead, you plan your week. You're so good at planning that when you go on vacation, you hand out itinerary sheets to everyone. You email it to everyone. This is what we're going to do on our vacation. You got it set every day and what it's going to look like, what to wear, what the weather is going to be like, turn by turn direction. You have it all set. You're that organized. You're a planner. Then you have those who are wingers. You just wing it. You just, whatever the day is going to be like. We don't need to plan. Why do we have to plan? We just, let's just go. Then they get to the beach. Hey, where's the barbecue grill? Oh, I don't know. I didn't plan to bring that. I don't plan anything. I plan to be here, but I just wing it. And so, wingers married planners. And so that's why you have a lot of conflict. 
But after a while, maybe wingers learn to be planners and planners learn to be wingers. The problem, though, is it takes a lot of effort to mix the two together. The other week, we were cooking, and I was, I was cooking uh, for Heidi and I, and uh, I'm a planner, but I also can wing it. But I like to know if we're going to wing it, if there's a wing in there somewhere so I can plan to put the wing in the plan. So I'm cooking, and when I'm done cooking, Heidi says, oh, I wanted toast too. Now, when I plan to eat, I, I, I have to organize it well enough and strategize how I'm, going to plan, how I'm going to cook so that my food is warm. And if I'm cooking eggs sunny side over or sunny side up, sunny side over, or you flip it over and you cook the yolk, whatever it's called, I don't want it to stay too long because it gets cold. So I plan how I'm going to cook. And so when Heidi says, oh, can I have toast also? I'm thinking, why you never tell me that before I started? Now I have to rearrange everything. I'm thrown off. I don't know how to eat. Now i got to warm up my food. I warm up my food. Now my egg is really cooked, so it's not how I would want it. So I get all thrown off. I stop. I pause. I don't know what to do. I'm frozen. And Heidi says, do you, I can make my own toast. She could see that my whole world fell apart. Like, are you, are you okay? I'm like, I, I don't know what to do anymore. I, I cooked and I, I don't know what to do now. I don't know the, the toast is going to throw everything off. And so we plan that way because we're planners. The wingers, they're okay no matter what. They can handle it. You put them in a plan, though, they get frustrated because structure is hard to deal with. They just want to drive. You ever saw these um, shows that they, uh, I think one of them is called Alone. They just drop these people off wherever in these remote places. And the goal is who can last the longest. And you don't know if someone is still out there. You just need to last as long as you can. And if you do, you win like $500,000. Now, they have a plan. They put together, uh, like the, they have their mission. They, they know where they're going to go. They, they, they know what's happening. They plan it out very well. But imagine if they didn't. Imagine if they just said, well, you know what? We're just going to drop you off somewhere. You got to find your way out. So what's the plan? There is none. Well, how do I know when to get for safety or where to go for safety? How do I know where the rendezvous spot is? What if I need someone? How can I call for an emergency? Ah, just wing it. Just go out there in the wilderness and you'll find your way back home. Guarantee. I don't think any of us would go no matter how much money they paid us. Why? Because there's no plan. Planning is good. Now, if you're a planner, this morning is going to be a little bit easier for you to transition into planning for personal growth. We want to plan and, and develop certain habits so that we can grow in various ways. Now, we're in this series called The Habit, and we want to develop good godly habits. Habits are great, but you have good habits as well as bad habits. We want good godly habits. Today, we're going to talk about the habit of personal growth. Habits are very, very good. And you might be thinking, why, why do I need to develop a habit of personal growth? Why not just kind of wing it? Why, don't, why do I need a plan? Why do I have to develop this habit? How does that affect my relationship with God? I came here to learn about God. I don't want to bust out a planner and write things down. I want to, I want to hear from God, the spiritual things. Well, here's how the Bible puts it. Let's take out our notes together, and we're going to read this together. In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 14, it's going to tell us why we need to develop this habit of personal growth. 
Let's read it together. Ready? Go. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. See, we, we, we need to practice what God is setting in our hearts so that we can discern good and evil, so that our relationship with God is an effective one, not just a religious thing we go through and go through the motions, but we develop this relationship with God. It must be on purpose. We have to develop certain habits so that we can follow God in the way we're supposed to. That word habit or that word uh, train because of practice or that word practice, I'm sorry, practice is from the Greek word hexis. The reason why I'm giving you the Greek word is because that's what the, the New Testament was written in. So when it's translated from the word hexis, we get the word practice. Hexis is a habit, whether of body or of mind. A power acquired by custom, practice, or use. In other words, having a habit is very powerful. It's very powerful. A habit is something that after a while it happens automatically. That's how powerful it is. You don't need much effort when you have a habit. It just happens automatically. See, if we have good habits that help us in our personal growth, then we're going to find ways to get better at what, not just what we do, but who we are in the Lord. Many, many are willing to change their circumstances, but very few are willing to change themselves. Oh, we're good at changing the circumstances. Why don't you do this? You should do that. You know what you should have done? You should have done this. You should have done that. Uh, Kat was telling me a story earlier. They were in the fellowship hall on Wednesday night. And they're trying to change the channel because it was on some weird menu. And they needed the slides to, you know, the different graphics to go. So she tries it. Someone comes up to her and says, hey, have you tried this? And then she said, yes, I tried that. Four people said the exact same thing. Why don't you try this? And normally when you're trying to fix something and someone comes to help you, they tell you what you already did. Did you check the batteries? I checked the batteries. Did you press this? Yes, I pressed this. What, what about this? And then the next person comes and they tell you the exact same thing. That which were you're, what you were doing. And they do that because there's a certain system that we use in order to get things right. And sometimes people will say the same things over and over, hoping that circumstances change. You should do this. You should do that. But the circumstances stay the same. I pray that we become people that says, I'm willing not just to change my circumstances, but that I'm willing to change myself. And the only way that happens is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Hard to change what's happening on the inside because we have a lot of blind spots. We don't know where we are in life sometimes. We need God in order to change what's happening on the inside. Some of us have tried. We tried to change. We tried to do things better. It lasts for a little while, but then we find ourselves back where we began. So maybe today God would say, no, here's some things that you can explore. In fact, we're going to explore three areas where when put into practice will be beneficial in developing the habit of personal growth. Here's the first thing. You can write this in. Develop a personal mission statement. A what? A personal mission statement. What does that look like? Well, if you don't know where you're going, then any road will take you there. 
You got to know where you're going. You have to put together something that says, this is who I am. This is who I'm becoming. And this is the direction that I'm going into. And when you have a personal mission statement, it tells you where you're going. But just as important, it tells you where you're not supposed to go. It tells you who you're not supposed to be. And it keeps you on track with the Lord and he shows you direction through it. I shared my mission statement before and it's very simple. My mission or my dream is to release the dreams in others starting with my own family. It gives me purpose. It gives me a direction. Where am I heading? And it also tells me what I don't need to do. What I don't need to add on my plate. What my life looks like. That's what a personal mission statement does. It helps you in in a direction. If you don't have a purpose or put that together or understand your purpose or a mission statement, it doesn't matter how long you live. Because you'll be as effective being 100 years old as if you were 20, if you had no mission statement, no vision for your life. You're just kind of living and existing. Develop that personal mission mission statement. And you might have to ask yourself some questions. You might have to ask yourself, how how do I develop that? What is that going to look like? Who do I want to be? Lord, who are you making me to be? Yesterday we celebrated 4th of July, our Independence Day from Great Britain, where 13 colonies got together and said, this is who we're going to be. And they put together the Declaration of Independence. This is what we're going to look like as a country. This is who we are. And within the Declaration of Independence are these words. And these are probably one of the most famous that we hear all the time. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. That they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. That among these are are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. See, there's a mission for us as a nation. We live in the greatest country, not because of politics and not because we do so well in certain things, but because we have a mission, we know where we're heading. That even though government may go up and down and your opinions may change, and and it does throughout even presidential terms, we know who we are as a nation. We know we have direction. We can always get back on track because we know where we're heading. When you develop a personal mission statement, you can always get back on track because you know where you're heading. But if you don't have a personal mission statement, how will you get back on track when you go off if you don't even have one? No wonder sometimes we live scattered lives. Proverbs 16.9 encourages us in this way. It says, we make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. Yeah, we can plan all we want, and it's good to plan. The Bible says to plan. But thanks be to God that he directs our steps. He determines them. He helps us with our steps. It's almost like he plans with us. And he helps us every step of the way. It's not just we put together a mission statement and then put it on the wall and say, hey, we're good to go. No, the Lord will determine your steps, each and every one. And every step is critical to the mission up ahead. And the Lord helps us in all of that. Some of us, we have this thing called uh, laziness. Now, let's just talk about laziness for a little while. Because some of you are already thinking, oh, I'm glad you're talking about that because this guy right here is lazy. This girl right here is lazy. Okay, let's, let's just define a couple things. Laziness isn't resting. 
There is a difference. Some of us need to rest. Otherwise, we get grouchy and snappy and things like that. We, we need to rest. Laziness is you just are plain lazy. You don't do anything. You just, you, you don't, you don't want to do hard work. You just, you're just lazy. You don't want to do anything. And some are just, you're, you're lazy and you'll say, oh, I'm just resting. I'm just resting. I'm tired. Well, what are you tired from? What do you do? Oh, sleeping. You're tired from sleeping? Oh, that's, yeah. No hard it took for me to sleep. Now I'm tired. So that's just lazy. On the other hand, you could be, on, on, you know, be very, very lazy. But you can, on the other hand, be on the other extreme. And you can be a workaholic. Everything is work. In fact, you go to work. And then you come home to work because it's peaceful at home. You don't have your coworkers. You don't have your customers there. You don't have people nagging on you or phones ringing. So it's like, oh, I couldn't wait to get home. For what? To work. I couldn't wait. Work is, work is in my home. It's, it's, so, it's so much easier now to work and you're at home. Now, if, you're, if, you're, if you don't have a family and, and, and you don't need to invest in someone else's life, I can understand that. But if you have family, now you're on the other extreme. You have the lazy and then you have the workaholic. Sometimes you have both in the same house. And that doesn't go well with being a planner and a winger. You put all of that together, you just have a dysfunctional entity working together as best as possible to make things work. That's why the Lord says plan. But I'm going to determine your steps. I will help you along the way. So you got to fight laziness. you got to fight against being that workaholic type of person. And in order for us to grow personally, we got to be aware of what's happening around. we gotta, we got we to gotta be able to have systems in place so that we know who we're becoming. Put that mission statement together. John Maxwell said it well. He said, if you want to grow yourself, then you need to know yourself. Some of us don't even know who we are. We just exist. It's like a mirror. When you look in the mirror every day to get ready, you make sure you're presentable. You make sure everything is set right. You want everything how you want it. You don't go to the mirror and say, oh, that's all wrong, so I'm not ever going to look at a mirror. I'm not going to reflect. I'm not going to think about what I need to change. You say, here's some things that need to change. I need to make some adjustments. And you do whatever needs to be done. The book of James says it like this. James 1, 23 and 24. It says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at his natural face in a mirror. For once he has looked at himself and gone away, he has immediately forgotten what kind of person he was. But when you put together a personal mission statement, it helps you stay on target. You don't forget who you are. You stay on mission. See, the reflection time, it, it allows us to pause so that our growth can catch up with us. You know, when we have worship time and we sing songs to God and we just pour our hearts to God, we also have a time of reflection Sometimes I'll come up and I'll pray. Sometimes another person will pray. But that's a time we reflect. 
It's almost like we're saying to the Lord, Lord, I'm pausing right now so that whatever you want to do in my life can catch up with me. I don't want to go ahead of you. I want, I want all of that growth that's, that should be happening in my life, I want that to catch up with me. And some of us just need that reflection time and, and that time to, to really think through how I'm going to be in my life. Who am I becoming? What my mission will look like? So I have direction. Peter Drucker, I, I, he's, a, he's a, a leadership uh, expert on, on uh, helping companies and helping people in their personal walk, in their personal life. He said, he said this, follow effective action with quiet reflection. From the quiet reflection will come even more effective action. In other words, we're going to need to pause in life so that we can reflect so that we can be effective in everything that we do. See, your soul is going to die if not. As Mark 8, 36 and 37 tells us, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? It's like when you have a personal mission statement, your soul is filled. And when you don't have a personal mission statement, you don't get, there's no satisfaction in life. You become empty on the inside because many are willing to change their circumstances. Very few willing to change themselves. Just start with a, a personal mission statement, something that will help you get on track. And sometimes you got to develop it as you go, but it helps you get on track. And it's not a matter of age. You might be saying, but I'm still young, so I don't really need one right now. I know what I need to do. I need to work. I need to get a job, and that's it. I need to work. And maybe that's a part of it. Or maybe there's a bigger picture. You might have been retired for a while, and you're saying, I don't, I don't need one. My personal mission statement was to do this. is not work. And so I stay home, or I, which is weird. Some retire to find a job, and that sometimes works out. Sometimes because of finances. But it doesn't mean now you're at a different place in life. You don't need a mission anymore. You still have a mission. You still have a purpose. Here's the second thing that will help us. Develop a personal growth plan. A personal one. Not one for your company. Not one for your family, which are okay. You want one personally. How are you going to grow in your life? What does that look like? And if a habit is defined as a settled or regular tendency or practice, especially one that is hard to give up, then what regular things do we need to do in order to develop a personal growth plan? For myself, I ask myself these three questions. The first one is, what will I do to grow spiritually in the Lord? What will I do? Well, I'm going to attend church regularly. I'm going to attend Wednesday nights. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to read up on books that have to do with my faith. That's, that's part of my personal growth plan. What am I going to do to grow spiritually? Join a small group. We actually have on our board just different small groups that meet in our fellowship hall, at our connecting wall. What, what do I need to do? How am I going to grow spiritually? The second question I ask myself is what will I do to grow mentally or academically? How am I going to increase my capacity in learning? What more am I going to learn? How can I be sharper in, in who God has called me to be? And for me, it's communicating or it's, uh, it's speaking with people. Uh, and it's also remembering things. How am I going to get better at that? 
I got to read up on that. I, I, I want to grow personally in those areas. I want to grow in my people skills. So how, how are you going to do that? Maybe you need to read three books on, on people skills. Maybe at your workplace, you, you feel that, boy, I really want to do better, but I just don't know how to. Then you find people who can help you. And we're going to talk about that in our third point. But what do you need to do to grow academically? Maybe, maybe it's going back to school. Maybe it's, it's getting your degree. Maybe it's doing an online class or some type of mentoring program, whatever it would be. Something to help you grow mentally. And then the third question is, what will I do to grow in my ability to be healthy? What does that look like? Do I need to go to the doctors? When was the last time I went to the doctors? I went to the doctors 10 years ago. But, you know, I, I'm okay. I only cough once in a while. I'm good. How are you doing health-wise? What your numbers look like? I don't even know my numbers. No matter. No, it does matter. Because you want to be healthy. You want to grow personally when it comes to health. Your spirit, your body, and your health. Or your mind. How is that going to grow? What are you doing to grow in those areas. And it's not just a question that you answer. It's actually a question that you answer to apply. You're going to do something different about it because a habit is hard to give up. For Heidi and I, it was hard to give up the habit of coming to church because we understood what Jesus did for us. And it wasn't about attending church as a religious thing to do or go through the motions. It was actually how do we develop this relationship with the Lord? How do we do that? So it was hard for us to give up Sundays. Now, that, this is just for Heidi and I, so I'm not, I'm not um, uh, putting anybody down on this. But for Heidi and I, we were just talking about this the other day, that we remember our friends would go camping on a Sunday, and Heidi and I said, that's a non-negotiable for us. Personally, we want to grow in our spiritual walk. Now, you miss a Sunday, that's fine, you know. But for Heidi and I, it wasn't. We were trying to develop the habit of growing spiritually. So church, gathering together was very important to us. Very important. We figured we, could, we can go camping any other time, but just not on a Sunday. And that helped us to grow spiritually. Our Wednesday nights helped us to grow spiritually. See, if you're, if you're trying to put together a personal growth plan and you're waiting to be motivated to do it, it may never happen. See, motivation will get you going. Motivation, that feeling of, oh, I want to do something, I want to accomplish something. Motivation gets you going, but it's discipline that keeps you going. Motivation will get you started. Discipline helps you to finish strong. Motivation comes out of maybe a feeling or, or maybe you're, you're just wanting to do something. But motivation will not keep you going because your feelings change. It's discipline that will keep you going. And God disciplines those he loves. He's going to help us along the way in this journey. And maybe, maybe the first steps we need to take is with the Lord. To just ask him, Lord, I want to I have a personal growth plan. Can you help me with that? I want to do well. And no matter how difficult it is, in whatever areas you want to get better at in your personal growth, you stick to it. Because you know the end result is something that you always wanted. We just got to find ways to expand our growth, our personal growth, whether it's reading books or however you want to do it. You just got to find ways for that to happen. Otherwise, we just, we just live 
And whatever, whatever happens, happens, whatever we want to do, we just do without thought. That's what happened to the prodigal son. If you know the story in the Bible in Luke chapter 15, Jesus gives a story of, of a son who went to his father and said, Father, you know, I, I'm deserving of this inheritance, but an inheritance was supposed to be given after the father passed away. But the son said, Dad, can, you have, can I have my inheritance early? And so the dad said, okay, gave it to his son. His son went off and spent it on wild living. And all the money was gone. Next thing you know, the son is looking for work because he's hungry. And so he finds himself eating with the pigs. He's eating slop. And then he comes to his senses. The Bible says this in Luke chapter 15, verse 17 in your notes. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. Now, here's his personal mission statement that he's beginning to put together. He says, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. You see, prior to leaving this son never had a personal mission statement. He didn't have any goals. He just said, I have the money. I'm just going to go and spend it. He didn't even think twice about it. He just went out because he didn't have a mission statement, a, a personal one. He just went out and blew all the money. Not until he was down in the dumps did he say, I got I to gotta get my act together. Now here's the story Jesus wants us to catch. Instead of hitting rock bottom and then developing a personal mission statement, a personal growth plan, Jesus says, do that before. Imagine if the son came to the father and said, you know, father, I want my inheritance. I want it early. However, I don't know where I'm going to go. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. So, you know, dad, can you help me put together some plans? How can I, how can I do this well? How can I, how can I line up my life so that I don't end up in the pits with the pigs in order to change. That's why I give children credit. Man, when you go to your parents and you say, Mom, Dad, I need help with this. It takes some humility to do that. But I tell you, parents, when, you, when your children ask you for that and you help them, all of heaven rejoices. That's what we're here for. That's part of your personal growth plan. You actually have a plan and you're heading somewhere for your future. See, the prodigal son, he, he was willing, not just to change his circumstances, but he was willing to change himself. Many are willing to change their circumstances. Very few willing to change themselves. The prodigal son, yeah, he had to come to that place, but still... He began with himself. And then he did this. Here's the third thing. Find mentors. You know what the prodigal son did? When he said, this is what I will do. I will go home and I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against you and all of heaven. And he said this. Make me one of your hired servants. Make me one. What's up, my man? <laughs> you doing right? No, he's okay. He's okay. He's okay, Matt. Yeah. He's all right. He's all right. Yeah. He's cruising him. He's like, let's give him a hand. 
See, we got to come to a place in life that humility begins to take over and we start saying we need people to help us with our blind spots. We got to find mentors. We got to find people that will help us see what we cannot see for ourselves. We need people. Don't you love these cars that have all the technology that when you're reversing, they have the, the video panel and you can just, you're like a professional. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> Beep, 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 beep. And you can go right next to the car or the wall or whatever it is. You have something guiding you from your blind spots. Well, Jesus becomes that for us. And he says you need mentors. You need people in your life that will help you see the blind spots. People that will love you enough to usher you to your very best. Otherwise, we just fall off the edges. And we never see what's coming towards us. We start hitting wall after wall after wall and we wonder what's going on you know king david was recognized as a man after god's own heart king david was a man probably israel's greatest king and if you read the bible uh, you could see the wonderful things that he did but what many people don't know is that david had some mentors one of them was a prophet by the name of nathan now remember when david was supposed to go to war. The Bible says this, is, was a, this was a season when the kings went out to war, but David stayed in Jerusalem. And that's when David went south. He saw Bathsheba, and he took her in, and then he committed adultery with her. And then, because of that one act, now she's with child. And now David has to cover his tracks, and he tries to, and it doesn't work out. So he says, put Uriah, which was her husband, at the front of the line for battle. And David's plan was that Uriah would die in battle and people would assume that that child was Uriah's child. So David has to conjure up all of these things. And finally, when everything is said and done, David feels like, okay, I'm in the clear. Okay, I'm in the clear. Uriah is dead. And uh, people are going to assume that this baby that Bathsheba is going to have is his. Nobody's going to ask any questions. They don't have any DNA testing to say, you are not the father, so I'm good to go. I'm fine. Well, Nathan knows David so well. And he comes up to David and he says, David, hey, uh, how are you doing today? Things good? Yeah, kingdom doing good. Kingdom doing good. Oh, what's up, Nathan? Well, you know, I was just praying to the Lord God Almighty up above and I want to tell you a story, David. Oh, I love stories. I'm a poet. Yeah, what's the story? So Nathan said, well, there's this uh, one family. They're raising this wonderful lamb, and it's kind of like their pet. But then you had this king who was throwing a feast, and instead of the king taking one of his lambs for the feast, he goes to this family, takes their pet, and uses their sheep. What do you think about that king, David? And David's like, what? That's horrible. How dare that king? What kind of king is that? That king should die. Nathan goes, oh, it's, it's, you know, it's so, such a coincidence that you would say the king should die. Oh, man. Because David, and here's the scripture that, that he says, Nathan said to David in 2 Samuel 12, David, 
you are that man. And then he says this statement, thus says the Lord. Now, when a prophet says that, it's like you better pay attention to what I'm about to say. And he says, thus says the Lord God of Israel, is it, it is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. In other words, Nathan is now disciplining David by letting him know what the Lord is saying to him. And then he says, the Lord saying to him, why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword, have taken his wife to be your wife, and have killed him with the sword of the sons of Ammon. And David is just, oh, so what do I need to do? And David has a repentive heart. In fact, if you read Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Lead me in the way of everlasting. That whole entire chapter is dedicated to that heart repentance that David had. David was saying, boy, I blew it. I got to get back on track. And the only way David could do that was because he had a mentor. Someone to speak into his life. David was able to receive instruction and change because of his mentor. For me, I try to find a mentor that, one, he has to be an, a man. And if you're a man, you need to find mentors who are, who are men. And women, you need to find mentors that are women. That way you keep your boundaries up. And with these mentors, I will always ask this question. Number one, do they love God? Because they must love God. And of course, they, their life needs to be intact with their marriage and family. But the second one is they must love Heidi. They must respect Heidi. They must know her. And the third, they must love me. They've got, they got to want the best for me. And these mentors are so important because we have blind spots. We all do. We just cannot see on the outside. And these mentors will come in and they'll say the hard stuff. They'll say, yeah, you, you got to treat her better. You need to treat him better. Yeah, you, you got to stop doing that. You got to turn back to the Lord. They'll give you great mentoring moments. I was in high school and it was in our art class that my teacher, Mr. Tamaru, great teacher in art. Now, one day I was kind of fooling around in class and playing around and I hear my teacher just yell from the front of the classroom where his office area was. And he said, Loxena. And I got up and said, Whoa, what? Was it me? What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? He said, Get over here. Get, get over here. And so as I'm walking, all my friends, oh, no. So I got to his, his office and he said, Sit down. And so he closed the door and he, I sat down and he said some words that is illegal today in our school system. And so I sat there. Probably was illegal back then too. And he said some things to me and and he, he, basically he said this, what are, what are you doing? What are you doing? And so I'm just having fun. Yeah, why? What? He said this, you have so much talent. You're a good artist, but you're wasting your talent. You know those kids out there, they got to work extra hard to do what you do naturally. And you're wasting all of that. 
And he says, I don't want to see you doing that again. Now get out there and be better. And I left that office and I remember it vividly. I remember what his desk looked like. I remember what shirt he was wearing. I remember it very well because it impacted my life. He was a mentor to me. I understood what he was saying. And that's exactly the person Jesus wants to be for you and I. Sometimes he'll just gonna have, he's going to have to call us over and say, Luxina, come, come into my throne room. Come, come here. And I just, what are you doing? Oh, just having fun. But that's not who I'm making you to be. You're wasting your gifts, your talents that I've given to you. You have potential that have yet to be realized. But you, you gotta, you gotta follow me. I'm giving you some skills to develop a personal mission statement, a personal growth plan. I can be your mentor. But you got to come to me. I want to end with these two scriptures. 1 Peter 5, 5. It says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, here in Hawaii, in my opinion... We live in one of the greatest places that we grow up respecting our elders. We must respect our elders. It's a part of our society here in Hawaii. It's a part of our culture. Remember when, and it still may be like this today, remember when you had so much respect for your elders that they, they could discipline you at any time? Like you could get lickings from anyone if they found out you were doing something wrong? Yeah, like on your way home, you would get lickings because they knew you did something bad and they, they prep you for mom or dad. They say, I just I got to give you lickings, man. You, you, can't, you can't be doing that. Uncle, leave me alone. No, man, I got to, sorry. I had my uncle call me out to fight me because I was acting up. There's a certain respect that we have here in Hawaii for our elders. I pray that never goes away with this next generation coming up. Never let it die. Not here in Hawaii. No way. Now, it doesn't mean go lick every kid that you see that is disrespectful. <laughs> On the other hand, sometimes Heidi does, but that's just, you know, things we're learning and growing through. <laughs> but let's, let, let's not let that die. Because as Proverbs tells us, iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another. Let's pray. You bow your heads with me. You put away your notes and your Bibles. Lord, thank you so much for, first of all, being our spiritual mentor. Thank you for giving us a life worth living for and giving us a vision for who we're becoming in you. Help us, Lord, to put together a mission statement. And it's, it's just a way to help us see the bigger picture. Help us to put together a personal growth plan, something that will that will help build us up in you, something that will help us in our soul, in our, the way we think, and in our, our health. Lord, I pray for all of us that it will begin with our personal relationship with you. You're a personal God, and so we want to walk with you. 
Some of you are here this morning and you're saying, I've never given my heart to Jesus, so I don't have a personal walk with him. But we're going to pray for that today. And if, if you're here and you're saying, no, I, I always feel this pull, though. I've, I feel like God is tugging on my heart. I know a little bit about him, but I've never given my life to him. And if you want to do that this morning, I'll pray with you. You can just lift a hand right now and you're saying, I want to give my heart to Jesus. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I just didn't know how to. And I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you with a prayer. Good. God sees your hand. Just hold those hands up. God sees your hands. He sees your heart. He sees your eternity. And he sees that right now. Yeah, God sees your hands. Good. God bless you. You can put your hands down. Maybe as a Christian... This morning, we're saying to the Lord, I need some mentors. I need people to speak into my life. I need a personal mission statement, a a personal growth plan. I need something to help me in my walk with you, Lord. So can you just help me, Lord, in these areas? And, And I believe in you. I walk with you. And things aren't bad right now, but I just want to be better for you. If that's you, would you just lift a hand and you're just responding to the Spirit of God. Lord, that's us. We just want to be better for you so that we can be effective in this world to impact lives for you. Put your hands down and let's say this prayer together, especially for those who are saying this for the very first time in receiving Jesus Christ. Here's our prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again from the grave to give me eternal life. Help me in my mission my personal growth plan. Help me find some mentors. Starting with you. I pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. Can you say amen to that? Can we just congratulate all those that said yes to Jesus this morning?